0: Welcome into another episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined once again by Colin Haas-Hill. And Colin, every week I think like, okay, this is the last week we're going to talk about all this drama. And next week we'll try to come up with something else to talk about. And then so much happens that I feel like we just have to keep talking about uh, this whole uh, Big Ten season postponement, scheduling, all kinds of uh, – whatever's going to happen because there's been a lot more developments in the last week to the point that we're here uh, recording on Wednesday morning and uh, probably going to do a shorter show than usual because uh, this is the first opportunity we've had to record. And I think we were worried if we recorded any earlier than this, that everything would change by the time our show published.
1: Yeah. And I'll be honest, Dan, that is still my worry, yeah. but we're still get, we're just gonna roll forward and um assume that we can get this up quick enough that whenever you know i don't know and, uh, Donald Trump drops another bomb on us that uh we can <laughs> we will we will power through it but um yeah, I mean one I will be honest, like I knew that this was going to get a little bit crazy on Tuesday when I see the President of the United States get involved. I just wanted to turn off my computer and say, what has this year come to?
0: Yeah, I don't I certainly don't want us to get uh, too deep in the weeds of uh, Donald Trump stuff on this show (laughs) because we are not a political podcast. But just that surreal, surreal aspect of it. I mean, it it really is crazy that this has now gotten to the point that the president of the United States is calling the commissioner of the Big Ten, trying to convince him to play football this fall. I mean, this is, this is wild that this has gotten to this point that now the most powerful person in the United States is now involved in this story.
1: Yeah. And listen, there's such a large swath of people who say I don't want to mix politics and sports, but it's almost impossible (laughs) right now. Like it really is. I mean, there, there, you have people before Donald Trump, um, made this call who are, questioning whether there's a political motive for the big 10 presidents deciding to cancel the season. And then Donald Trump gets involved. And now like when, when, and and, and everybody knows like, this isn't a secret, this isn't political at all. But whenever Donald Trump has gotten involved with anything in the last few years, like you might as well just throw up your hands because things just get crazy. And, and things I think will get a little bit crazy here because, you know, when he says that, you know, he wants the big 10 to start immediately. Like that's, that isn't possible. Um, you know, we, we had heard that the November um, start date might be something that the Big Ten's looking at in terms of starting around Thanksgiving. Um, but to start it even earlier, I'll be honest, like, until I saw Donald Trump get involved, I was pretty much at around zero percent that would actually happen. Our, and, and I know you were too, Dan. So, like, should we still be at zero percent, or should we even allow ourselves to think like maybe this might have
0: made some sort of a change? Yeah, you that know, was actually one of the questions we were asked by our listeners this week from Ohio against the World Thirty Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said he said he was at a five on a scale of zero to one hundred of uh, whether the Big Ten would play a meaningful fall football game this fall. And he actually I felt, I didn't write the whole question. I think he said he went up to to 50% uh, after the call <laughs> for White House yesterday. I did not go up to 50%. Uh, I, I might've gone up a little bit uh, because I, I, I think if the president of the United States, if a White House is getting involved in this and they are offering testing, uh, you know, more ac- access to enough tests uh, for the big 10 to get through an entire football season. I, I think that increases the, uh, the, the realistic aspect of actually playing a football season this fall. Uh, but I'm still well below 50% on the idea that we would play uh, a big 10 would play before Thanksgiving. Uh, because I, I mean, like you said, I mean, play immediately. That's just throwing something out there. I mean, first and foremost, even if they decided this week that they want to play a season as soon as possible, the earliest would be, you know, early to mid October, because the teams would now all have to get back on campus, uh, go through another round of testing to be cleared, and then practice for at least four weeks. So, the uh, we, you know, the earliest would be October. You know, and I, you know, I think you know there was a report that came out on Tuesday, and I think he talked about a little bit on his radio show this morning from Dan Patrick was saying you know somebody was talking about October 10, uh, and how that. You know the reason that date's now being floated is because that would that would really be the last day that the Big Ten could start and have an eight game season and and still be able to you know compete for a spot in college football playoff. Um, if that's going to happen, the Big Ten's really got to make a decision about like this week <laughs> because uh, that's like only a little over a month away. Uh, yeah. So. D- I mean we
1: spent we spent the weeks leading up to when we thought Ohio State was actually gonna get into training camp saying, you know, they needed a six week window. And that was that was the constant thing. Like it's September second. The six week window starts right now if you actually really want to have that six week window to, to you know gear up to to play football. And that's also not really possible at the moment because Ohio State has most of its players on campus, but that's not really the case with with every single Big Ten school. And, you know, like, when when Donald Trump makes that call, when President Donald Trump makes that call, I mean, it just throws everything out there because, like, Kevin Moore is not the ultimate person who's going to make that decision. I think the thing that if the White House really wants to help um, what it can do is, like you said, it can get the tests ready. And I and I do think, you know, Dan Wolken um, from the USA Today, he had an article and he spoke to someone who had um, who had knowledge of you know the Big Ten's talks with uh, Donald Trump. And you know, he said that the Big Ten planned to lay out a series of requests for the White House, many of which are yet to be formed, and would encompass everything from rapid testing. To, to help with the contract, a contact tracing program, to medical equipment, to resources that would help sports be beside football. And I think that that really is, you know, where the White House could help if the White House actually wants to get involved this deep. And I can't believe that we're actually even talking about, you know, the, the White House getting involved in Big Ten football potentially happening. But I really do think that that is where, you know, if if you are to believe that this call and and the, and the help of President Donald Trump would make a difference, that is that is those are the kinds of resources that that could actually matter. But um, I, my percentage on, on, you know, my belief that they're, they're going to play in October is not exactly very high right now. And I think that that's backed up by the fact that, I mean, you saw four or five different national reporters who are trusted and, and, you know, who have proven to have sources who know, know a lot about what's going on, come out and say like the big, big 10 sources, are saying, you know, this is a total long shot, and there's somewhere between zero and, I don't know, 5% chance that this actually happens. And I think that that's probably where we are right now. Um, it's, you know, we, we can't ignore the president of the United States making a call to the Big Ten commissioner, but there's still so many hurdles that I'm I'm really not optimistic right now that it happens.
0: Yeah, I know, and I know it's tough for a last fans, for any Big Ten football fans, because – you want to latch onto every every bit of hope, every you know pause report. And there's, and there's so so much conflicting information out there that it, it it's easy to find whatever it is you want to believe, whether it's you know start date, whether it's whether it's safe to play, whatever it is, whatever side you want to be on, whatever you want to believe. There's enough conflicting information out there that you're gonna be able to find the reports. Uh, the information that, that fits your agenda, that fits your hopes—it's—it's—it's uh it's, it's, it's challenging. You got to sift through all that. um But you know, it I mean, it's like Colin said. I mean, I—if I'm just going to be honest, like if Adam Rittenberg or Pete Thamel or, or someone like that, who I know has been in this industry for a long time, but I know is really well connected, and I know their information is—is is, is, you know probably coming from high up verifiable sources i'm probably going to believe what they say more than i'm going to believe what sir yacht is tweeting
1: that's a little bit disappointing i mean we're we respect sir yacht on this program <laughs> but your 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 point is um one that i you know i'm on to and and you know it, it is i mean this thing has just been a whole mess and and it really does go back this is this is the thing it goes back to the rollout of you know, the, why the decision was made and then sort of that week or two after the decision was made, the complete and total silence and just the lack of transparency and the lack of a feeling a need to answer questions and talk to certain people has put the Big Ten in a hole where a lot of this feels like a no-win situation for the conference. Because either you're going to bend to the president um, and, you know, you're going to look like you're going to go back on, on the reasons that you made this decision for or you're not going to. And it feels like you're once again, just, you know, being somewhat arrogant. Um, and you, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know that they're in a, a winnable position right here. And given the way that Kevin Warren has handled this so far, I'm not really sure I'm confident that they're going to come out, you know, looking great out of all of this. And I really do think it goes back to, you know, the fact that there was no transparency, Um, and, and how this, this thing, how this decision was handled. Um, and I think that that's unfortunate and it is, you know, we can blame, I I think that there's probably not enough blame, um, from the people who are really outraged about why this season, um, has been canceled, postponed, whatever you want, um, getting thrown at the presence because they're ultimately the ones who are making the decision and actually voting on it. But from the Big Ten's point of view, from Kevin Warren's point of view, this has just been handled so poorly. And I think a lot of this, um, the the fallout that
0: is just continuing right now, weeks later, is on them. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the university presidents. We we finally learned on Monday how the vote went. uh, After a lawsuit. Yeah, after a lawsuit (laughs) from Nebraska players. I mean, one of many things that's happened in the last week uh, it feels like you know it 's hard to even keep track of what week things happen anymore, but one of many things that happened in the last week Nebraska football players filing a lawsuit on Thursday, the Big Ten was compelled to reply by Monday in their response, they did reveal that it was an eleven to free vote uh, multiple reports uh, confirming uh, unsurprisingly that the free teams who voted against were Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio State, which have been the free uh, most vocal opponents to uh, the, the season being postponed. So no surprise if those were the free teams that voted against it. But I think that right there shows you the challenge in terms of, okay, l- let's say there are discussions right now about maybe October can work. And I don't know if there are, because I mean, even as recently as Tuesday night, uh, Bill Moose, the athletic director for Nebraska said the earliest they've discussed is Thanksgiving. And and we'll get to that in a minute, because I, I think that might actually be more realistic, but it, you know, in terms of, you know, if you really did say, okay, we're going to try to start this thing as soon as possible. The first thing that has to happen is you have to get six more university presidents on board because Big Ten bylaws say you have to have 60% of the presidents to make this decision. So you've got to go from three to nine. Are are you really going to get six university presidents who voted a month ago to not play fall sports, to suddenly change their mind and, and say, yeah, we're, we're going to play as soon as possible. I think that is challenge number one right now. If, if you're one of the coaches or whoever you are trying to convince uh, the decision makers to play a season this fall.
1: Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot of uh, talk about, you know, the, you, I mean, you had, you had reports about, you know, Ryan Day, Scott Frost being among the coaches who are really trying to make a push for playing in October, playing as early as possible. And you heard that about the, some, some ADs too, but the ultimate decision makers are not the coaches and ADs and they can do all they want. I mean, if, if the coaches were making decisions, Ohio state would be gearing up for a season right now. If the ADs were making those types of decisions, Ohio State would be gearing up for a season right now, but they're not. And that's where it comes into what are the presidents doing and how do you swing the president's votes. And that's where, you know, there is that long list of things that, that, you know, was in Dan Wolken's piece that I referenced that you need more than just one thing. You need more than just one call from the president. It's great to, you know, have the president's pressure if you want to play. I mean, that clearly matters. It, It really matters if the president of the United States is getting involved in this. But you need something more than just someone, you know, a, a powerful person saying, I would like to do this. Um, you need some actual action, some reason to for, for people to switch switch up, you know, their, their prior um, votes. And I think that that's the part that is going to be, in my mind, the ultimate hurdle that Ohio, that Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten won't be able to get over in order to play in October. I think November is conceivable. Um, I don't know if that's any better than January, to be honest. I think that that would be a little bit weird to start in November, right, as the, the rest of college football is, you know, nearing the end of their season. Um, but I, I'm just – I'm not very hopeful about October right now, even though, like, you go in swings and, like, there's a moment yesterday or on, on Tuesday where I'm like, wait a second. Like, should I really be, like, considering this? Like, is this a real legitimate thing that might actually happen? Um, but as we sit here on Wednesday morning, I'm I'm just not too optimistic about it. And I know that a lot of people
0: probably don't want to hear that, but that's that is just where I am right now. It's like you said before, Con. There's a chance that anything we're saying right now, a day from now, a week from now, could could be a bad take because yeah. this thing keeps changing so rapidly all the time that things things could change. I mean, I, I'm not ruling anything out at this point. Because, I mean, I mean, when we were talking last week, I really I really didn't think anything before January w- was on the table. Now, I, th- I think this November idea is legitimately on the table. Uh, now, like you said, is it actually an improvement over January? Uh, I think that's a fair debate, because uh, I don't think either of those models are going to give you a chance to compete for a national championship, because I think, you know, these other conferences are going to go forward with playing this fall, but you know, if October isn't going to happen and I, and I'm still in that boat, but I, I don't think so. Cause I, I, just don't think that the, I just don't think that the majority of conference leaders are, are going to get on board with saying it's safe to play football right now. I, I just don't think that's going to happen right now. So I think, you know, I, I think the idea is, you know, for the you know, I think, you know, yeah, the coaches would love that to play in October. But if not, they're going to try to come up with a plan that the presidents will approve that allows them to play as early as possible. You know, with you know, and I think there's multiple factors here. If, if we take out the CFP equation for now, because obviously that's what Ohio State wants, obviously that's what Ohio State fans want. But that might it might just not be on the table. If if that's not on the table, then if, if you're talking about Weber playing, you know, in the winter or w- early spring or whatever you want, you want to start as early as possible and end as early as possible because you don't want this postponed season to also affect your next fall season. And TV partners are also getting involved here. And I think if, 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 if they can play 10 games starting in November, rather than eight games starting in January, there's more money to be made there by playing more football games. So I think, you know, that's always going to be a factor in these conversations. And so I, I think this idea of playing in November, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people criticizing it because yeah, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to help them win a playoff. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's correct. Um, and I and I, I you know and I don't know if it'll make a difference. You know, do I think Justin Fields and Sean Wade are going to stick around for a season that starts on Thanksgiving? I don't. But uh, you know, I, I I think that if if that's the earliest they can start it, then that's probably when they're going to try to start it. Um, and and we'll see if it works.
1: Yeah, I just don't know that that you know, I don't mean, I, I I think that's probably worse from a fan's perspective of you know, how to digest this season when you know it's going to be a weird season um, rather than, you know, if you're going to actually try to play in January, it just feels like at least it's separate. At least it feels a little bit different. From my perspective, if you're going to try and start playing in November and then you're essentially playing the beginning and then the meat of the season as the rest of, of you know, power the, the three other Power Five conferences are – you know, playing their conference championships or playing their, (laughs) the college football playoff. I don't really know that that's necessarily appealing to have Ohio state play Purdue at the same time that um, Clemson is playing, I don't know, Oklahoma or whatever is happening. I, I just, I just think the January model makes more sense from a fans enjoyable, uh, a a fan trying to enjoy whatever we get of a season rather than in, in November because you know, it feels like at least if you run at the same time as the Pac-12, and you and you try and you know start at the exact same time, at least you can at least you know have a partial season. It makes you feel like at the end of the year, um, perhaps Ohio State could get that game against Oregon. You could see um, you could see teams match up in those two conferences. I'm not really sure that you're able to necessarily do that if you're going to try and start. Um, in November at some point. And I also think running, running the beginning of your season at the same time that the other three conferences in this season, that just makes little sense to me. And I don't really know that there's going to be as much of a market for that as there would be in January. But like you said, TV dollars do run the world, <laughs> at least when it comes to college football. And that's not going to change. And if that's the ultimate decision maker, um, college football needs money and and you know if that's if that's going to be the reason why uh I would understand it
0: yeah i mean i i, I just think the push it right now is going to be let's start as soon as we possibly can i mean you know and i think i to me i, I mean i guess the way i look at it is if if it's not going to be a normal fall season if it's not going to be a college football playoff uh type of season then you know you just do what you can do i mean it, it, you know i think you know, nothing's going to compare to just, you know, a regular season that you're on the same wavelength as everybody. So, I mean, I, I kind of agree that, like, yeah, it would be better to, like, run concurrently if for Pac-12 and have a Rose Bowl at the end of the year. I still think that could be possible because, I, I mean, I, I have a feeling, you know, the Pac-12, you know, I think if a Big Ten plays 10 games starting in November, I don't think the Pac-12 is playing any more than eight games. You know, maybe they play six games. Who knows? Um, so, you know, I yeah, I think you know that door could still be open there where even if a Big Ten plays more games, you could still potentially match it up where the Big Ten champ and the Pac-Twelve champ meet in the Rose Bowl, some kind of uh you know, championship game uh between the two schools. But um yeah, I mean I, I just think that, you know, I, I think right now the goal is to, to play as as soon as you can play. And obviously I think for, you know, Ohio state fans and anyone who's really invested in uh, this thing, the response to that is going to be, well, then why don't we play now? Why don't we play in a month from now? Uh, I just don't think the big 10, I I don't think the medical protocols right now are where they need to be to get the majority of big 10 presidents on board. And that's, you know, that that, that's going to be a big question. You know, I mean, that's, that's just going to be the big thing. It's, it's, Ultimately, all of this, no matter what's being proposed out there, it's all going to come down to whether you can get the majority of of Big Ten presidents on board. And, you know, I I think there's going to be some influential voices pushing for that. I think one of those voices is going to be Christina Johnson, the president at Ohio State, who uh, said uh, on Tuesday in an interview with NBC4, the first time that, you know, she had talked on the record that I know of about – football and and she said she is very hopeful for a fall football. Now, she also noted that fall runs until December 20. So, uh that told me right there that uh you know, this Thanksgiving thing might have some legs to it. Um and you know, I, I I've gotten the impression over the past 4 to 5 days that that Thanksgiving thing does have some legs to it. Um so that's kind of where I'm leaning things going right now. And that's not where I would have been a week ago. So again, things could change by next week, but you know, I, I think there's a, I think there's a real push to try to play at some point in 2020, but I still don't know if anything that's going to lead to actually playing in a college football playoff is realistic right now.
1: All right, let's play the what if game because, you know, if Ohio state plays in November, Um, We have a question from Bartholomew who asks, do you think the playoff committee would put a 4-0 Ohio State team in the playoffs if they were partway through the season at the time of the selection? And that is, you know, that is the question of if Ohio State played in November, I mean, one, I'm not really sure that they would be able to get four games in unless you're starting at the beginning of November um, before that decision is made. But uh, a 3-0 Ohio State team, a 4-0 Ohio
0: State team, Dan – is that even – is that a reasonable question to ask? Well, I know this. I know we were having this debate with some of our other colleagues uh, yesterday, and I know that our, our friend Kevin Harris, he was adamant that the committee would put Ohio State in the playoff if they were 3-0 and and 4-0 and and they thought they were one of the four best teams. He was adamant. He said he would bet his life on Ohio State making the playoff in that scenario. That's, I yeah, disagree. that's a little aggressive. I got to disagree with Kevin on that one, though. I I I don't see that happening. I, I and again, maybe this will be a bad take because this is an unprecedented year, and it's hard to predict how anything's going to go. But I don't see it. I I don't see an o, an Ohio State team that's played three or four games getting in the college football playoff, even if they're undefeated. Uh, you know, I I would think, or maybe I should say hope, because it, you know I don't want to you know. Sometimes the college football playoff committee uh, has some weird ideas, but, you know, I I would hope that that they would release some updated criteria at some point before they start ranking teams this year uh, in terms of, you know, minimum number of games played or or whatever criteria it's going to be, because I mean, it's going to be weird. I mean, it's going to be very weird uh, selecting a college football playoff field. Uh, without everyone being on the same page this year and teams playing less games. And, you know, I mean, you you know, even, you know, between the ACC big 12 sec, I mean, you could just have very different resumes to compare depending on how things play out the next few months. So it's going to be a challenge for the CFP committee, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it with a, you know, if it's the middle of the season and, and Ohio state still having games scheduled in January I just don't see the college football playoff putting Ohio state in.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing is like, if there's only three conferences playing hypothetically, the fourth, the fourth team is probably not exactly um, 2014 Ohio state in there. Like you're, you're probably, I, I don't, I can't really imagine that the fourth team would even be undefeated just based on the way that, you know, the schedules line up this year. So if we're in a world where the Big Ten wants to stack the deck, like right now, if Ohio State were to play its shortened schedule that it was supposed to, then it would open the season against Illinois, Rutgers, and Purdue. And I'm sorry, if Ohio State goes three and zero against those three teams, as great as those games might be for the Buckeyes, Ohio State's not making the playoff. But what if it was Ohio, Ohio State playing against Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan? If you wanted to add a fourth, I guess like a Minnesota. Um, my, I, I, I don't want to say that they would, cause I don't really think I believe that just because, you know, even if there's a one loss team that's played a full SEC schedule, I think that they would probably get in over in Ohio state. I'm not at a hundred percent on that though. Um, based on the fact that how in the world do we know what the college football committee is even thinking, but another aspect of that, at least in my mind is, you no, know, if Ohio State's beginning the season in November and hypothetically, I don't know, playing through January or so, would Ohio State just all of a sudden then just like stop playing the Big Ten season? Like how would that even possibly logistically work? I have I have no idea how this, you know, hypothetical would work. But I, even even disregarding that, I, I, I do think it's gonna be it's gonna be very difficult um unless the Big Ten stacks a deck and gives a lot of state. Fourteen, the four best, you know, other the four other best Big Ten teams as its first four games. I really don't know how Ohio State would get in, and and given the fact that the Big Ten did the total opposite of that in the shortened schedule um, and wasn't of the mind that oh we should perhaps give Ohio State you know some big games early in the year that could you know help us out with our TV dollars. um, Given the fact that it didn't do that, I don't really know. That I have any confidence that it would stack the deck for Ohio State, you know, in this hypothetical world, in order for Ohio State to stop playing two thirds of its Big Ten schedule. But, um,
0: so so no, I don't think they would make it. But I'm not at zero percent either. Yeah, it's a fascinating what if. Like, you mean I? I think it would have to be if that was something. And I'm sure Ohio State will push for it. I mean, I'm sure if there's any way Ohio State. Can have a chance to be in the college football playoff. Ohio State's going to push for that. The other schools in the Big Ten might not need to push for that, but Ohio State's going to push for that because Ohio State wants to play for a national championship. Uh, I think the Big Ten would. I agree. I think the Big Ten would have to would have to get on board and they'd have to make it work for Ohio State. Am I confident, optimistic that the Big Ten is going to do that to accommodate Ohio State? No, because no. they haven't accommodated them yet. So, yeah. uh, you know. You know, and I I know what fans are going to say. I mean, fans are going to say, "Well, Ohio State needs to throw its weight around, and Ohio State needs to find a way to make this happen." Um, They could try. I I I don't, I don't know, I don't know if it's realistic. Um, They could try, Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree if you call them. But I think if you, if if you as a Big Ten decide, okay, uh, we want to, we want to give our teams that chance. We can't control what the committee's going to do. But we want to give them that chance to at least be eligible to be selected. Which again, I think this is a huge long shot if we're talking about a November season because like rankings are going to start coming out in November. You know, are you going to have a team that's Ohio State team that hasn't played is outside of the top twenty-five and jump all the way up into the top four by playing four games? Again, I I, I don't see it. But I think you're right, Colin. If you if you want to if if you want to give Ohio State, we'll just say Ohio State because they have a team that's by far, the most likely to actually uh, get selected in the scenario. If you want to give him that chance, then yeah, you gotta you gotta stack that schedule at the at the front. You gotta you know, and, and you gotta give them a chance to prove themselves. I mean, first of all, if you're gonna start the season on Thanksgiving, make Ohio State Michigan a week one game. That, that's what I would say. Play it on Thanksgiving week. If you if you're gonna start the season on Thanksgiving week, then play Ohio State Michigan on its traditional day. Play it in week one, and and yeah, I mean you gotta play. All the market games, because this is what, if, if, if we go into a hypothetical of where there's a college football playoff carrot there for Ohio state to potentially chase, this is what's going to happen is maybe, maybe, maybe the stars stick around for that chance. And then once that's over, all the top guys are going to opt out. And then you're going to, and then if you play in January, it's going to be a JV season the rest of the way. Um, (laughs) <laughs> which it, it, it's like wild to think about, but like, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a chance that happens if you start, you know, at some point in November, maybe you leave that possibility open, you know, but I, I, I think the, you know, if if you assume that the big 10 season is going to continue past the college football playoff, you know, I don't, I, I have a hard time seeing the big 10 getting on board with the idea of, okay. Ohio State just plays four games, and then after the playoff, they're done. I, I think the Big Ten would expect Ohio State if it was going to do that to to play a full schedule. Um, but I don't think I don't think I think if if you were in that scenario, I think the second half of that schedule, uh, I think that team that was out there for Ohio State would probably look a lot different from the team that was out there for the first half.
1: Yeah, we've reached the absurd part of the podcast where none of this makes any sense, which means it's perfect for 2020 because none of this year makes any sense. But we do have two more questions about, you know, whatever you want to call this complete mess that that the Big Ten is in. Um, First from Gold68 says – you know, with the Big Ten TV deal with Fox and ESPN set to inspire after the 22-23 season, will we see movement among the conference given the inequalities and in revenue losses among conference schools due to the cancellation of fall football? Should Ohio State negotiate a higher higher than equal share of future revenue?
0: Dan? That's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. like, I think my first response would be is I don't really know exactly how these negotiations work well enough to really give a confident answer about this. I mean, I would lean toward, like, no, that being difficult for Ohio State to actually get a a higher share of a revenue than other Big Ten teams. Um, You know, I, I, I do think that there's a point that, like, if Ohio State really gets pissed off about all this and they decide they do need to start throwing their weight around a little more, but maybe... You know, maybe you can influence some change on these things because, I mean, I think certainly from a football perspective, there's no question who the most prominent team in the conference is right now, who's who's the team that's uh, bringing in the most TV dollars. I mean, there's no question that Ohio State generates a lot more TV money for Fox and ESPN than Rutgers does. So, you know, do I think that that's something that maybe Ohio State should be pushing for? perhaps. Um, do I think it's necessarily realistic for that to happen? Though, I have my doubts.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. I the way that Ohio State typically is seem to use its power, I don't really think that it's going to go and, and demand a, a greater share of, of revenue. I just don't. Um, and you know, when when you ask about you know the the revo- the revenue losses um, among conference schools due to fall football. I think Ohio State's probably, you know, as much as Ohio State is hit, and it is hit in a huge way, um, given the size of Ohio State and the size of Ohio State's athletic department and the amount of boosters and the amount of money flowing, I think Ohio State's probably better off than just about any other school in the Big Ten. Um, so, from that point of view, I don't really think that that's the reason that would, you know, spur Ohio State to make that kind of decision. Um, I think it is interesting, you know, when, Ohio state has the kind of power where if it says, you know, we're going to leave the conference, if you don't give us some sort of a higher revenue share, you know, the the big 10 would certainly have to listen if, if, you know, Ohio state put that on the table. But I think since Ohio state hasn't put that on the table, I think that there's, you know, there are reasonable critiques to make that, you know, you can throw your power around a little bit more than Ohio state does just based on the fact that, you know, technically when it comes to the money that, they are equal, even if Ohio State, if you look at it as it, it, it as a brand, as a football program, as an athletic department, um, I think you know it makes a lot more money than, than almost everybody else in the Big Ten, um, and you know there's a lot of money coming into the conference because of what Ohio State does. So I think that that's reasonable. But you know I'm not expecting you know some mass movement um, within the conference. I'm just not. I mean I'll be honest. I'll be fascinated to see over the next few years what Nebraska's relationship is like with the Big Ten because they seem like they're out on an island. As much as Ohio State and Iowa both also voted to, to not postpone the season, Nebraska's out there and, and getting a little chesty about it. And I do wonder how that will affect them in the long term. So I think that that's the one school that you know I would be interested to see. But from an Ohio State point of view, um, I know a lot of people want to, want some sort of changes in Ohio State to throw its power around a little bit more. I don't necessarily think that this um or the TV deal coming up
0: will, will spur that. Yeah, I think the question is I, I, I there's a big fan movement going right now about leave the big ten. Yeah, that's but, see. but what's the alternative? I mean I, I see plenty of Ohio State fans saying leave the big ten. I'm not seeing anybody tell saying what Ohio State should do instead. I mean is Ohio State gonna join the SEC? That's not gonna happen. Anything it's not gonna happen. Ohio State's not gonna join the SEC or you know, I mean, Ohio State's been in the Big Ten for a long, long time. It's in their geographic footprint. You know, going independent, there's a lot of challenges with that. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, I mean, sure, Notre Dame does it. It doesn't mean that doesn't mean Ohio State should do it. I mean, the Big Ten was the most profitable conference last year. So, long term, the value is still there for Ohio State to stay in the Big Ten. You know, it's, it's a rush patch. It's a it, it, it's a rough patch for the big 10. And, and, you know, it's, it's certainly understandable why, you know, there's people that are upset with the big 10 right now, but long-term, do I think it would benefit Ohio state to leave the big 10? No. So uh, can they try to throw their weight around more and maybe should they? Sure. But uh, if any of this results in Ohio state leaving the big 10, I'd be shocked.
1: Our last question about this mess, and, and you know, it's perfect. It, it fits everything about what we've been talking about, is I don't know if everybody knows about this, so I feel like I should set this up. There is a Twitter account, guy by the name of Sir Yacht, and I think, I mean, he, it's it's so absurd that we are talking about Sir Yacht right now on a podcast, but we are, um, and he is basically reported to have sources um who have been telling him things about the big 10 and, you know, what's going to happen. And, um, you know, we have two questions about that one from Bartholomew who asks, should I trust Sir Yacht to be my primary news source? And Chipperson one asks, does Sir Yacht have any, any real sources? I know that you don't know and that the answer is no, but what do you guys think? Which is honestly, that's a perfect way to ask the question because we're in, we're in this, we're, we're just in this uh, situation where I think everybody's like, he doesn't know anything, right? And then you just sort of look around and you're like, right? I mean, we, we, we don't actually think that, do you? But even in the back of your mind, like none of this even makes sense. So like, should I even pay attention to him? And Dan, I think the answer is pretty clear to both of us that the answer is no, he doesn't have sources. No, you shouldn't follow him. But I am fully understanding of why, um, why we're actually bringing up his name right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's like you said, I mean, it's just, it's such a weird time that it's like, you just can't rule anything out. So it's like, I I totally, I totally get, you know, why people latch onto that. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. He, he might hit, you mean he might, he, you know, (laughs) you throw enough darts at the board, you might hit the bullseye at one point. And, you know, it's, I also think, I mean, again, I, I, you know, I I don't want to spend too much time speculating on how Sir Yacht is doing whatever he's doing. But like, you know, I mean, do do I really believe that, you know, this the stuff he's reporting is coming from a reliable source? No. But most likely he's got people feeding him information whether it's reputable or not now, that weren't when he started doing this thing, because there's people who have decided they wanna be his sources, knowing that he's just putting whatever he gets out there. So you know, you you just, you you know, you just never know if one of, you know, one of these things might hit the board, but you know, he's already reported stuff that has been wrong. Um, And the the reality is if what he was reporting was reputable, people who have covered the big 10 for a long time would be hearing the same things. And that, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, and whether it's, you know, you know, I mean, even someone like Dan Patrick, when he's reporting stuff, Dan Patrick has been in his industry for a long time, but Dan Patrick, is not somebody who regularly covers big 10 sports. So uh, ultimately, you know, I, I'm, I, when I see these things, you know, whether I've heard anything along the lines or not, you know, I'm going to look at people like, you know, Adam Rittenberg and, and Pete family and Nicole Auerbach and, and people that I know have sources and people that I know are well connected and who vet what they hear, because it most likely if this information leaks out, and none of them are hearing any of it, most likely it's not true.
1: Yeah, disregard Sir Yott, but if you're entertained by him, be entertained by him because we need anything in 2020. And we can talk a little bit about recruiting, and I'm sure that his Nets, you know, scoop will be in the recruiting sphere because why not? Um, but Dan. You know, we both went to high school games this past week. Ohio State got a commitment. It makes sense to at least hit on this a little bit. Um, where do you want to start first? Do you want to talk about the commitment or you want to talk about what in the world we saw on, on Friday
0: nights? And we can talk about what we saw on Friday nights because, like, I mean, it's, st- it's still so weird that, like, we're going to high school football games and we're not going to be covering an Ohio State football game uh, this Saturday. But, like, just what did you, like – what did you think, like – going to a high school football game. Like, I mean, to me, like, it did bring bring a sense of normalcy, just like being out there and watching a high school football game. And and sure, like, you know, I went to the game at Marysville to watch Gabe Powers, and, like, there's a lot less fans in the stands. You know, it was definitely a more toned-down environment than you would usually see for a high school football game. But it still brought that sense of normalcy, like, hey, these are guys just out here playing a football game.
1: Yeah, I mean it was really weird because I'm not really a hundred percent certain that playing football, high school football in Ohio, is the right idea. I mean, I'm not saying it's the wrong idea. I'm just not a hundred percent on board. Just because when you're talking about, you know, why, you know, what would be the safest way, I think having a lot of testing would be the safest way. And when that's not happening, I think that and we're putting dozens of players onto the field to, to play football I think who aren't tested I think that that's a that's a little bit of you know I, I would have understood why Ohio would have pushed the season back but you know the fact that it was being played it was fascinating to actually be there and be covering a game and you know be on the sidelines for a game where you know on the field it was pretty normal I mean, it felt like a normal football game. I think that there were a little bit of rough, rough patches where, you know, one, it's high school football, so not everything's going to be perfect. And two, you know, these off seasons for these schools have been so incredibly different than what these players and coaches have been used to, that it's just impossible to, to you know, be able to to prepare in the way that you normally would. But also, you know, there were a decent amount of fans there. It's it's not like it. It's not like the stands were packed by any means, but there were a decent amount of fans on both sides. It felt like high school football to me. It really did. You didn't have maybe the raucous crowd that you would normally get at. You know, I was at Mentor and Medina, um, and and you know when you have two D1 teams like that, typically you know the crowd would be um, a lot louder than it was. Um, but you know on the field, it felt like normal football,
0: um, which was you know, it was nice to see. I'll give him that. I know you got a chance to watch and talk to Brennan Vernon. I know you were talking about him last week and you were excited to kind of share your thoughts on him. So what would you like to share about Brennan Vernon?
1: Yeah. Brennan Vernon's the five-star 2023 defensive end from mentor who, um, you know, it's, he's the number nine prospect in the country. So yeah, I was really excited to see him. Um, I'll say this, like, he was pretty quiet. Um, for a guy who's rated that highly, you know, you just come in and you're like, am I going to go see Chase Young go play football, basically? Am I going to see a guy go get six sacks? And he didn't do that. Um, but he still had a good game. Um, I think Medina, would, its game plan was essentially we're going to try and throw the ball really quickly. And then when his quarterback got hurt in the second half, they ran the ball a lot. So it's not it's not as if Brennan Vernon had a ton of opportunities um, to to go after quarterbacks, um, but it was you know it was great talking to him after the game because you know we never know what we're gonna get when we go talk to to a recruit for the first time because you know these are just kids like Brennan Vernon is a sophomore in high school. If a sophomore in high school is not a great interview, that is the most reasonable thing in the world. I have no expectation of a sophomore in high school being a great talker, or a good interview, but you know he was great to talk to. I I enjoyed, I enjoyed speaking with him. I mean, he looks like a Bosa brother. He sort of talks like a Bosa brother. Um, And given his ranking, he should play like a Bosa brother at some point. I will say this, like my main takeaway when the eight minute interview ended, I was like, well, he's clearly going to go to Ohio state. (laughs) And maybe that's unfair because he's, what is he? Two and a half years from even being able to sign a national letter of intent. It's a long time before he can actually reach that point. But you know, the way he speaks about Ohio State um, and the reverence he has for the Buckeyes, it would be a shock to me if he ended up, anywhere, ended up anywhere other than Columbus. And that, you know, that's sort of what I expected before I went and talked to him. And that was only reinforced after speaking with him.
0: Did he, you know, just, just watching him, like you said, I mean, it, it. I think it's so hard, like, for me, like, just like when, when we go to, like, watch a high school football game, like, You know, as somebody who typically covers college football, because, like, I think when you go to a high school game and you're just, like, watching one guy, like, you're just expecting him to make plays on, like, every single play. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's It's – It's totally unfair. It is. Like, it's hard. Like, I think you you grade him on such a steep curve that you're expecting a lot. Like, you know, I I know, you know, the game I watched with Gabe Powers, like, the other team really just – they were basically running all their plays away from him. So he didn't make many big plays because they were just – they were running the ball away from him. They were throwing the ball away from him to try to take him out of the game plan. It didn't work because they got shut out, <laughs> but they, they at least kept Gabe Powers from making big plays. And you know, he was also dealing with leg cramps. Um, so mm-hmm. he wasn't quite hundred uh, percent. But you know, Brendan Burnin, like, do you, do you see like why he's this next Jack Sawyer, uh, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa five-star type prospect?
1: Yeah, and, and the reason why is he's he's not really like a Jack Sawyer. Because when I – I remember I went and talked to Jack Sawyer two days after he committed. Um, what was that? No, it's like a year and a half ago. Um, and, you know, at the time, it's like Jack Sawyer wasn't that built. Like he was he was still pretty skinny, and you could see the athleticism that he he had, but he really wasn't, you know, he needed to add weight. And luckily for him, he had more than two years to actually add the weight. And right now, he's looking like the five-star prospect he always was. But I think the difference is, like Brennan Vernon is entering the sophomore year of his high school, and he's built like a Big Ten defensive end. Like that guy, when he's he he's listed at about I think 6'5", 245, He is six five two forty five. He's he's a high school sophomore who, in a D one game, was the biggest player on the field for on both teams, and like. It was sort of incredible to just see him physically. So, yeah, I totally get why he's ranked that highly because people shouldn't look like the way he does. They just shouldn't. And how he's going to physically mature over the next few years, I mean, when he's already built the way he is, I mean, gosh, Ohio State, if they are able to land his commitment like the way that I think they can, like he's the kind of guy who will be moldable into you know, what a Joey Bosa was. And I understand that's a high bar but players don't look like Brennan Vernon does at 16 years old. They just don't. And I should mention also, you know, on the other side, side sideline, I was, I was interested to see Drew Aller um, who is Medina's quarterback who, you know, he's a three-star, he's a three-star prospect. I believe he's right around ranked 500th in the nation. Um, And when you're Ohio state, you don't have to take that. When you're Ryan day and you built your legacy, thus far at Ohio state on having awesome quarterbacks and you got, and you, you know, kept Jack Miller committed, you landed CJ Stroud, you brought in um, Justin Fields as a transfer. You landed a commitment from Kyle McCord. You don't have to go get the three-star guy from Ohio. Um, My question is, you know, if Ohio state maybe struggles to land a five-star guy, a top 100 guy because of the guys that they've built up over the last couple cycles, Will they look for a guy like a Drew Aller um, from Medina? I think that's conceivable. I think someone like Drew has to play really, really well. But I'll say this. Like, I was really impressed with him in the first half. And unfortunately for him, he had a calf injury that kept him out of the the second half of the game. But, you know, he's someone who I think, you know, he started five games in high school. (laughs) He's so raw that like he's one of those guys who would have been really helped by getting a, by being able to camp at Ohio state this summer. And since he didn't get that, I don't really know how exactly that'll affect, you know, his prospects of potentially earning an Ohio state offer. I thought he was a really tough physical runner, uh, which I wasn't really expecting from him. And I thought he got the ball out quickly, accurately. I mean, he had a backdoor, he had a, a backdoor fade on, uh, on, on his third touchdown of the first half. I was really impressed by him and, you know, if Ohio State misses on a couple guys up top, like it seemed like they were in the midst for Quinn Ewers, Ewers I don't really know how to pronounce his name, as is the case for 95% of uh, high schoolers <laughs> um, who went to – he committed to Texas, the number one prospect in the country. If Ohio State misses on you know, two or three other guys like that, could someone like Drew Aller be in, be in the midst for an offer? I will, I'm not going to rule that out. I think that you know, he's someone who will be fascinating to watch you know, develop over the course of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, I think right now Ohio State has offered four quarterbacks <laughs> for a class of 2022, and two of them are already committed elsewhere. So yeah. uh, they are one of them, just... I
1: think, you know, one of them, I think Steve Angelli, it doesn't seem like Ohio State's really pushing for that right now.
0: No, I think Malik Murphy, I think, is the one that yeah. I think probably their yeah. top target that's uncommitted right now. But they are. They're going to have to identify some more targets in that class. So I think the door is open there. For a guy, an in-state guy like Drew Aller, if he if his profile starts to blow up a little bit, uh, for a big year, I I think I think he could he could end up getting in the mix there, uh, yeah. by the end of a year. We'll we'll see what happens. We did see Ohio State land one commitment uh, this week on Tuesday night. I think Zach had pretty strongly hinted that this was coming last week, <laughs> uh, but Bennett Christian, the tight end from Georgia, uh, Tennessee legacy, uh, but he chose the Buckeyes over the Vols. Uh, for Ohio State's sixth commitment of 2022,
1: Stick, six six two thirty-five seems like a, a, a quality blocking tight end, which means he'll fit right in at Ohio State.
0: Yeah, sounds like he's built a uh, a very good relationship with Kevin Wilson, uh, so I think that played a big part. He actually he actually visited campus on his own dime, uh, just visited campus because it's still a recruiting dead period, so he didn't actually get to go into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, meet with the coaches, any of that while he was on campus, but you know, was able to visit Columbus, loved what he saw, loves the relationship he's building with those coaches. So uh Buckeyes one tight end of a twenty twenty two class and based on everything Zach told us it, it's looking like twenty twenty two could be a two tight end class uh for yeah. good stuff. Yeah, for it's,
1: yeah, it's worth mentioning I think Benji Gosnell is the guy who you know, it seems Ohio State is sort of targeting as that second tight end. And, you know, Ohio State's trending with him. And he's right, ranked right around 250th in the country, which is, you know, if you're going to bring in a, a tight end class, like that's sort of what you want. You're If you're Ohio State, you're probably not going to go out and grab the Nets, a Jeremy record every single year. And I'll be honest, like I'm not really 100% sure that, you know, getting a Jeremy Record is any more important than getting a Luke Farrell, if that makes sense. The way that Ohio State uses its tight ends, a lot of what they want to do is they want, they want guys who can block, and they want guys who will be around for four or five years, um, preferably. And I think that you know, these guys, oh, Bennett Christian, is, he's that kind of guy. And I think you know, given the fact that you know, Luke Farrell is a fifth-year senior, who knows if he'll play again for Ohio State. Jeremy Record's uh, a third-year junior. Um, Jake Hausman's a fifth-year senior. It'll be—it's time to you know, turn the page with with Ohio State tight ends, and, and then it'll then it'll be important in, in doing so.
0: All right, we'll wrap up this week's episode of Real Pod Wednesdays with our uh, three things we think segment. Colin, what's one thing you've been thinking about this week? I mean, I feel like I have to start with. Like something
1: that it's almost unbelievable that we didn't talk about it because it was such a, I mean, it's such a big deal in, in Haskell Garrett's life, but obviously for, for a lot of you know fans and whatnot, there's a lot to talk about in the big 10 um, and Ohio state. I mean, Haskell Garrett on Sunday night, I believe, or it was it early Sunday morning, sorry, um, got shot in the face. Um, and right now, um, he's already back at home. Um, and, you know, the story that he told police is, you know, he, there was a, he saw a fight between you know, or an argument between a, a man and a woman who, who he did not know. And, you know, he went over there and, you know, the, the, the man turned and took a shot at him. And, you know, the, um, police report says they found him with a through and through wound to, to both cheeks, which is, pretty terrifying to think about and when you hear that, you know, you think you know, just a few inches differently. I mean, we could be talking about a totally different, just completely tragic story. So I think the fact that he's already back at home, I mean, it's, I mean, it's great news and, and you almost can't believe it just based on what happened. Um, and that was, it's mean, a terrifying thing to even really think about someone going through. And I'm just glad he's, you know, back at home healing up already. And it honestly pretty, pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I mean, really, really scary situation. Um, I'm really glad we're not talking about a tragedy this week because mm-hmm. uh, we easily could be. Uh, so really glad that, you know, he's alive, uh, that it's he seemingly avoided any, uh, you know, catastrophic injuries, that, you know, he's going to be able to make a full recovery. And, you know, let, uh, hopefully, uh, whenever this season starts, hopefully we'll see him out there because, you know, that – This is a guy who's going into his senior year. And, you know, I think, you know, I think back to guys like Devon Hamilton and Jay Sean Cornell last year. I think that's the kind of position that he's in going into his senior year at Ohio State. And, you know, maybe he's here for two more years now because of the NCAA giving everyone an extra year of eligibility. But he's one of those guys who I think has had kind of a solid career so far at Ohio State. But you know, maybe if he can have that big senior year, he can really legitimize himself as an NFL prospect. So, you know, I think obviously in this scenario, anything football related is is very much secondary to just life. But, you know, I I think he's someone who really has, you know, visions of having a big senior year. So hopefully, you know, he will be able to fully recover by the time uh, whenever the Buckeyes are able to play again. And, you know, hopefully he'll be able to, you know, get back out there with the team.
1: Dan, what's your first thought?
0: Well, I, I feel like I have to start with this because it was just something that I thought was ridiculous when the Big Ten released a statement on Monday following the uh, revelation that the vote uh, had been 11-3. to 3. In, in the last sentence of the statement, the Big Ten said, the Big Ten Return to Competition Task Force will continue to be transparent as it actively considers options to get back to competition when it is safe to play. And what I think is, how can you continue to be transparent about something that you have not even started to be transparent about? Because transparency about options to get back to competition, that means talking on the record about what you're working on, what you're planning to do. And as of now, that has not happened. The, the only communication that's come from a Big Ten is people leaking things to select reporters. Uh, there has been no transparency, in my opinion, about what the next step is for the Big Ten. Uh, not just with media, not just with the general public, but with players, but with parents. There has been no transparency on what the next step is. I mean, you could hear it at the... Most recent uh, rally outside Ohio Stadium that I was at on Saturday and talking to the parents, a lot of them are frustrated with just this constant flow of, of rumors and speculation and not hearing anything from Kevin Warren, not hearing anything from Big Ten leadership. So I just thought that was a ridiculous, ridiculous line to include in the statement that you would continue to be transparent because you've got to start being transparent to continue to be transparent.
1: Yeah, I don't. I really don't think that this situation would be nearly as tenuous if they were actually transparent in the first place. I really do believe that. Um, I think that the fact that it seemed so much like they've just been trying to hide from, you know, actually answering questions is is, is largely why it just seems like, you know, a total mess right now. Um, and you know, I agree. I mean, when when you see a statement like that, it's like, do they
0: know what they're saying? Um, I don't know. And it's just, it's kind of been the whole way this whole thing has been with the Big Ten. It's like ever since this, these last three weeks, it's just vague statement after vague statement. And that's why people are so frustrated is because you're just not coming out and in, in actually explaining these things. You're not coming out and talking to the public. You're not coming out and giving, you know, the general media population the opportunity to – ask questions. And I say that not, not because like I desperately need to talk to Kevin Warren, but because the reality is if he was talking to a larger group of media, there's questions that are going to be asked that he's probably not being asked right now. And and, and they might be questions that more reflect what the general public is thinking and what, you know, players and their parents are thinking. And so I just think, you know, I I think that's a big part of this whole deal for big 10 is it's just, it's, I, mean, I mean, I've mean, i even found it, you know, flummoxing as a reporter that, like, these statements, like, typically when the Big Ten releases a statement, they'll put it on their website, they send it out to their entire mailing list, but recently they don't even do that. They just send it to whoever the select reporters are that they're they're choosing to send these things to. So it's like, just, just, just be, a, if you just would be a little bit more transparent, I don't think things would be as contentious as they are right now.
1: Yeah. And this sort of goes to what my second thing that I've been thinking about and you know, I referenced it maybe a little bit earlier, but like I'm really sympathetic to people who don't really know what to trust right now when it comes to media, I really am. And, and, you know, I'm someone who like, since I'm, you know, in the media, like I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what's real, what's not real. Like, please guys, let's, let's not listen to Sir Yacht. Um, please let's listen to some reputable reporters. But I do think because of the way the big 10 has handled this and because of the lack of transparency and the fact that a lot of this reporting right now is done through anonymous sources, I am really sympathetic to people who don't really know what to trust and who are like, why should I trust this person's anonymous sources over this person's? And I, I think my recommendations would be look at what these people's bodies of work are and and try and you know figure out people who you really trust and, and rely on them because um, I think that those are the people in times like this that, you know, you can you can trust. Um, And I think it's tough because a lot of people want to hear certain things. And when it seems like behind the scenes, like you've got five different national reporters in the past 24 or so hours, you know, talking about how their sources have said nothing has really changed in the Big Ten. Um, And I think that that's tough for a lot of people to hear. And they're wondering, like, are these are these people just sort of putting out the message that the Big Ten wants? But a lot of those people have been sourced up for years. I mean, they're they're people who have been putting out reputable information for years, and I think that you know it makes sense to trust them. But at the same time, I am sympathetic to people who are wondering, like, why should I trust them? I mean, there's there's just such a disinformation campaign. It seems like from the Big Ten, it makes no sense how la- how they have no transparency. I really do think that that is that has hurt them you know, especially when it comes to people not knowing what to believe and what not to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the reality is if you want to be a smart consumer of rumors, reports, whatever, you need to go into it not basing what you believe and what you don't believe based on what you want to hear. That's what a lot yes. of people do. I mean, I think, and, and again, I'm, mean, Everyone out there, it's your prerogative to believe what you want to believe. But I, but I do think that if you want to, if you want to get a sense of what is most likely to happen, just looking for whatever is going to be what you want to hear, that's probably not going to give you the most realistic sense of what's actually going to happen. I think yeah. looking looking for the people who have, like Cohen said, I think a track record of You know, reporting accurate information. You know, those are the people that you know are most likely. uh, Their information is most likely to ultimately be accurate in the long term.
1: Yeah, another recommendation I'd make is, you know, if someone is reporting what you want to hear, or if someone is saying what you want to hear, like just take a step back and think why they might be telling you that, or why they might be saying that. Um, Because I think that there are a lot of people right now who are selling hope um and listen hope is a great thing like it's you haven't been able to get a lot of hope in 2020 so i understand why people are seeking out hope but i think if you're blindly seeking hope you're just asking for yourself to get misled and i think that that's where i think that that's where sort of a lot of the struggles come in to me when i see people believing things that i don't think that people really should believe is when they want to find hope and and they'll believe whatever you know message people are selling that is hopeful and i and like i said though I am sympathetic because I think that the big 10 isn't helping itself. And, and, you know, this, this, you know, it, 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 like you said, it it has seemed like they don't really want to talk to anybody except for two or three or four different reporters. And oftentimes, you know, you get high level big 10 officials going off the record to them. And I think that that harms the big 10 and getting an accurate message out um, because people want to hear what they want to hear. And if, you know, I just think it would be a lot easier if Kevin Warren would come out and have some sort of virtual press conference or have some sort of longer interview where he goes in depth on what these reasons are um, and, and what, are, what they're thinking and, and how this thought process is going and putting together a, a late fall or winter or spring schedule, whatever it may be. Um, and, hey, maybe it happens, and maybe once they get this schedule actually figured out, Kevin Warren comes and, and he does all that. I'm skeptical. I just think that that would really help um, in terms of people figuring out what to believe. Cause I am sympathetic to the fact that it's hard to hard to know exactly what to follow and what to believe right now.
0: Yeah. And like, I mean, like, I'll be honest, like I'm not a huge anonymous sources guy. And like, I think that's probably to my detriment sometimes as a sports writer, because I think a lot of people perceive it as it's weird, but I, I think a lot of people perceive it when you have anonymous sources but you're more connected than if you have actual on the record sources because it, it was just kind of this whole, like you're getting, you know, secret information. So it's like, I, I think, you know, there's a, I think the, I think anonymous sources have become more prevalent than ever in sports reporting these days. And I, and I, and I get it. I mean, you know, and you know, I, I use them if I have to call and use them if I have to. it's part of the game, but it's like, I, I do. I, I think with something like this, I think it can get really frustrating, you know, for a consumer. You know, just to have all these different people citing anonymous sources because, you know, I, 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 you know, too, like, I think, you know, from like our perspective, Colin, like, I think a lot of times we can see who some, see somebody cite anonymous sources and we have a pretty good idea of like who their source probably is or like generally, you know, whether their source is a coach or an athletic director or whatever. You could kind of tell just like based on, you know, being in the industry and kind of knowing like who people talk to. Uh, but for the average person, you know, they could just all be the same thing. So it's like mm-hmm. it, 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 it. You know, if you're just a reader, like you can't be expected to to know the difference between, you know, one reporter's source and another person's source. But I do think you know, Colin made a good point that you know, I I do think that you do you know, you want to think if you can about why certain people are saying certain things because here's the reality and and. There are reporters out there who are just trying to give you the most factual information possible and they're being as objective as possible. And there are reporters out there, or I shouldn't, even in some cases, I shouldn't even call them reporters. They're just people that have an agenda they're trying to push and, and they are giving you whatever information they possibly can to push that certain agenda. And I think the way these things go a lot of times, I think it gets flipped to where the people who are actual just reporters that people think they're the ones that have the agenda and the ones who have the agenda are the ones that people think are just reporting the information because the people who have the agenda might support what they want to believe. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's difficult. It's difficult. And, I, and you know, and and I understand, you know, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan, just wanting to, wanting to, you know, hear whatever information would result in the best outcome. But I also think you need to be careful because I just think you, you don't, you know, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people trying to get their certain agendas out there right now. and this thing could keep going. I mean, this thing could keep going for weeks. And I'm honestly at the point, like, to be completely honest, like I just want the big 10 to make up its mind to, to settle on something and just commit to it and move forward. Because this is exhausting uh, this back and forth every day. And I would really prefer if the big 10 would just make its decision and we can just move forward. And it might not be the decision we all want, but I, I would really prefer that they just, they just move forward and just commit to it. Uh, but I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, the way this thing's going, I have a feeling we're in for uh, a, a few more weeks of this, at least, of back and forth and trying to figure out what the hell's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, who knows? Ryan Day, I remember him saying that he wants the schedule to figure out in weeks, not months. And we are about one week away from it reaching a month. So
0: yep.
1: who, who knows? But, Dan, what's, what's the second thing you've been thinking about?
0: Well, I, I want to go back to the rally that uh, went to on Saturday because we had mentioned this last week, and I, I I think we I think we had said that we were worried that the rally was going to be quote embarrassing for mm-hmm. Ohio State, and so I just want to give Ohio State fans credit in that I honestly think their behavior was better than I expected at the rally rally on Saturday. I did not I did not think there was anything at the rally that was you know, egregious. You know, I think back to two years ago when there was a rally outside Ohio Stadium for Urban Meyer. Uh, you know, after the, during the Zach Smith saga, and that was embarrassing. That that was embarrassing. I I don't think there's any question from my view that that was embarrassing. That that was not a that was not a good look. I thought Saturday was completely fine. I thought you know I thought you know the parents that spoke were you know very passionate about. Uh, you know, you know, their sons getting the opportunity to play, but I thought, you know, everything was very reasonable. You know, I talked to basically all the parents who spoke afterwards, and, you know, I, I enjoyed talking to them. And I thought a lot of them, you know, had very valid reasons for, you know, what they believe. And I thought the fans, uh, I, I thought, the, I thought the fans were, you know, really just supportive of the parents and players for a large part. I mean, obviously, you know, there was some booing when Kevin Warren's names come up. And, you know, there were some some signs, but they weren't, you know, vulgar signs, you know, I mean, there was like, you know, there was like a sign that said Kevin Warren is now the big Ten's biggest villain instead of Jim Harbaugh. There was a sign about uh, scheduling Mississippi state for 10 games this year because of uh, Kevin Warren's sons playing there, you know, things you would expect, but there was nothing, there was nothing that was vulgar. There was nothing that was, you know, crossing a line that really shouldn't have been crossed. So I I just wanted to uh, give Ohio state fans credit for that that I, I thought, you know, I thought it was very uh, reasonable support uh, for the players and the parents. And and I thought, you know, after we said that we thought it might be embarrassing last week, I thought it was important to say that uh, I, I don't think that was the case.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and to be honest, that was going to be my third thing that I was going to mention, too, because I really had, I had the same reaction. I was a little bit worried at 10 a.m. that I was an hour away from seeing Tennessee Jeff show up with a, um, with a Kevin Warren head. And that was not going to be a great look. And, and, you know, thankful he didn't do that. Um, I tuned in for a good bit of the speeches and I thought the speeches were passionate. I mean, they were exactly what you, what you would think. I think Randy Wade is Randy Wade's a good leader of that stuff. Um, he really is. He knows how to get a crowd fired up. He knows how to get a message out to to both fans and media um, and, you know, he, you got to give him props. And and like you said, it was pretty professionally. Well, it was pretty professional for, for something that was just thrown together by an Ohio state football parent. Um, so, yeah, it definitely wasn't embarrassing, uh, at least in my mind, um, at least from, from the content of the rally, I'm sure there are people out there who are wondering, you know, why are you protesting this? And there's so much going on in the world. And I think like, if you want to make that point, Go ahead and make that point, but I don't think the content of what happened in the rally really, you know, was anything other than what you would know what Ohio State parents would have hoped for, which was getting the message out, keeping in the news and, you know, getting their points out. And honestly, like the bar is pretty low still. (laughs) Like the bar is like, can you give us some transparency, give us some answers and talk to us. And again, if that's the ask, that's not a lot. It really isn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I, you know, I think I'm still of the opinion that like this should probably be the last rally. Um, I don't, I don't think we need more of these. but uh, as far as I know, there are no plans for additional ones, but uh, I guess that kind of depends on what happens uh, with, with the big 10 here over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. Um, so my third thing I haven't think about was again, I don't know about you, but, I'm not just going to watch any college football game they put on TV. I'm sorry. I, I love college football. It's great. I did not tune into Central Arkansas and Austin P. 24 to 17. It seemed like it was a, a fun game, an entertaining game. I did not watch. And I don't feel bad about not watching. Um, I will. I would love to watch, you know, the high-level college football games. And, you know, if there's a normal college football Saturday, that it, or at least as normal as you can get, where there's you know a full day of games, yeah, I'll watch that. I'm not watching everything and America isn't either given the fact that their ratings, you know, for an FCS kickoff game were, were the lowest that they've been since they you know, started doing that in 2014. So Dan, did you watch that game?
0: Well, I apparently stole your third thing and now you just stole mine. So we'll oh, just, there we go. We'll just combine here and do one big one for our last one here. But Uh, I did. I watched, I watched like the second half of it. I mean, I had it on, I was doing other stuff. I wasn't watching it religiously. Uh, I had it on, but like my, my point was going to be like, I'm with you. Like, like I, I look at like the slate this Saturday and like a bunch of like group of five games and like, I might have a few games on, but like, I'm not excited to watch college football this Saturday. Like there's just not, there's not any games on that schedule that excite me. Like for me, like, just, like, having it on, I was just, like, this is really weird. Like, it's really weird watching two teams play college football. And, again, just, like, like watching it, like, it's just a normal college football game. Like, there's nothing discernible about it that was really different. It was just, like, a normal college football game. And then knowing that Ohio State's not playing this week and knowing that, you know, most teams aren't playing this week. You know, and some of them are going to play in a few weeks, but – you know, a lot of them just aren't going to play at all. And it just felt really, it felt really weird. Like, it just like, you know, like I just can't like, and I I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make any bold proclamations about what I'm going to do or not do, because I think it's very easy. And I think a lot of fans say this too, and it's not always true. And I think I could say it and it wouldn't probably wouldn't be true. I think it's very easy to go into it and say, I'm not going to watch college football this year, or I don't care about college football this year because I know, full well like there's going to be games that I want to watch this year uh you know when the SEC gets started ACC Big 12 about there's going to be games that I'm going to watch there's going to be games that I get into uh I, I I'm still going to watch some games but I think it's going to be weird like I I think it's going to be weird and I think just not having not having Ohio State playing when like that's typically what our falls are centered around it, it it just makes it weird like it does not feel. Like it should be college football season, if everybody's not playing. Yeah it it's it's going to be so different. I really don't know
1: what it's going to feel like if we're in like week four of the season, the Power Fives aren't playing. It's like what are like how do we even view this as Ohio State reporters? Like what are what are Ohio State players thinking? what's Ryan? I mean Ryan Day an alternate universe would be coaching Mississippi State right now, which is an amazing thing to think about. But, like, that he, that was a realistic possibility. Um, and instead he's Ohio State's coach, and he's on the sideline right now. And nobody knows when the season's going to start, and it's chaos. So it's going to be a fascinating fall. And like you've been saying, it would be awesome to know what the Big Ten's going to do um, because that could at least give us some sort
0: of frame of reference of what to you know pay attention to. Yeah, like, how weird is it going to be? Like, let's, like we were talking about it before of, like, the seasons crossing over. Like, let's say the season starts in November. Like, how weird is it going to be to be covering camp in October while other teams are playing actual games? I mean, it's – yeah. <laughs> absurd. I mean, uh, to use one word, it'll be absurd.
1: I mean – Will other conferences will, – will, will fans outside of the Big Ten really even care about what what's happening in Columbus? I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's just – it's such a weird time, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I, and I think time. that
0: does – like I think that does go back to your point about like like a January it. Like I do like, – I think like – I think there's a window there. It's not an ideal window, but I think there's a window there. But like if you play after the other teams wrap up, there could be some interest – just because, hey, the other teams are done playing college football, there's still college football on. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough sell, like if you're playing games in the middle of, like, December before the other teams are about to play in the college ball playoff. I, I, I think the interest outside of the Big Ten footprint in games the Big Ten are playing, I, I, I think is probably going to be a lot lower than it would be in a normal year. Well,
1: especially if it's like this Ohio State shortened schedule where it's like they're playing Illinois, records and Purdue. Like nobody outside of Columbus is going to care about those games if this, if if they're nearing the college football playoff in three of the other major power five conferences.
0: It's going to be, it's going to be a weird, weird season whenever it happens. Um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be weird. And you know, like I said, I mean, I, I I liked, I'd like to get some clarity as so many people would on what it's going to look like as soon as possible, because it's just, you know, right now I feel like it's so hard to like, you know, it's hard to talk about anything but this drama that's going on because we just don't know what's coming next. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we'll get some more clarity on that soon. Um, but something tells me when we reconvene to do this podcast next week, we're probably going to be talking about more crazy drama that we don't foresee coming right now.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure that half this podcast will have made no sense if
0: you listen to it a week later, but Hey, that's, that's 2020. That's 2020. Well, hopefully it still makes sense if you're, if you're listening now, uh, since we just recorded <laughs> on true. uh Wednesday morning. Uh, so thanks again to everyone, uh, for listening. Um, uh, it's going to be an interesting fall, but, uh, we're going to be here with you. Uh, we're, we are, we are planning to do it every week, Uh, a little shorter this week. We'll probably, we'll probably keep it a little shorter than we had been going, uh, since there's no football games actually happening right now, but, uh, uh, we'll be back next week. And, uh, again, any, any questions, any suggestions, things you want to hear us talk about, uh, we'll try to hit on them. So thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.